The views expressed in our episode are ours alone and do not represent any other organizations. Our episodes discuss internet crimes against children and cases that involve the exploitation of children and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Catfish Cops. My name is Brandon Poor, And my name is Tony Godwin. So um, what say you, we, Brandon? We did a horrible thing last week, right? We left them hanging at this, like, perfect cliffhanger. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it is a, a, a pretty involved, as, as those returning are going to hear. Uh, this is a weird, weird case that um, is very unique because I've never had one repeat itself like this. Um, so yeah, this is unique, right? Yeah. Yeah. This one is, and it gets even a little weirder, um, which is kind of hard to believe if, if, uh, you listened last week and, uh, could hear that. And we acted, we acted like we were going to tell you who our guests are going to, or our special guest is going to be next week. But yeah, no, you know, that's just a joke. We're not going (laughs) to tell you today. You're going to have to see next week, but it is really cool. Um, you will be, Glad you tuned in. Um, Before we start talking about Mr. Gross again, though, I want to toss out there that we are still climbing in our Instagram followers, our Facebook followers. So if you have friends and family who don't know or who don't follow us, um, helping to spread the word for education and awareness, the like and subscribe button, the follow us on social media, those things really help and importantly more like just something we've got to say this week that we haven't said in a while is how much we appreciate our patreon supporters as well right absolutely absolutely yeah we um we try to do our very best um for those who uh are not patreon supporters what you're missing is things that we send out early to our patreon supporters um and i know we have slacked uh, we missed you know a week and Believe me when I tell you, our supporters let us know, like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> like, we're not in that way. Yeah, they're very, no, yeah. like, they're very kind, but we're super, oh, gosh, we feel so guilty and apologetic that we've done that. But we have the best Patreon supporters, and what you get for that is hopefully you get, when we do give episodes out, you get them early. Yep. You get um, discounted merch stuff. We, we've sent out merchandise um, for free as gifts. Yeah. And they have direct line of communication to ask questions. Um, we've had really cool questions and back and forth that we don't ever put on the the episodes that our Patreon supporters ask us. And they're like, just just like, hey, I just have a random curious, you know, question to ask you. And we just sort of go back and forth and email and things like that. And so Absolutely. we really appreciate them. If you want to become a, a supporter, it can be for as low as $3 a month. Um, Nothing is going towards the lining of our pockets. I promise you we have (laughs) not spent a dime on us. Um, In fact, we, we really haven't 
used it other than merchandise and things like that. Um, but we do have some really cool partnership things coming up with the Con- Crimes Against Children Conference. Yes. Um, and we're really hoping to, while we're there, do some live recording sessions. And so if you are a follower or a listener, um, when you come to the Crimes Conference, be sure to look for us and come up and say hi. We have had some of the coolest interactions with people all over the country and all over the world. Right, Tony, you yeah. want to speak to that? Yeah, it's 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 still so mind-blowing to me that um, that this idea that we have had for a long time and, you know, now put into fruition here for over a year and, you know, we just hit our 50th episode and, and just the volume of people that are hearing it and from the far reaches of the world, it's just, it just boggles my mind. I mean, I'm, I'm very humbled uh, when I tell you, um, you know, we both are that, that we're hearing from so many cool people and we're making such good connections and, um, you know, we like our most recent one and I can't remember his name cause it, um, off the top of my head, but he's like from Denmark. Well, we wouldn't want to like, we wouldn't want to mispronounce it anyway. Right. So. But you know, he's like in Denmark but, and he's like, Hey, this is what we do over here. And you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, and so just yes. all these different collaborations. And I'm like, man, those are the people I, I want to just pick brains and do episodes because people got to get sick of hearing us, you know? And so we want to highlight well, hello to Denmark. Yeah, absolutely. So, thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, uh, We've got some training coming up in the next few months, so we've got all sorts of fun stuff to to talk about and bring back to you guys. And, you know, so we love hearing from you. If you email us, you know, we try and respond. One of us tries to respond. Tony tends to be a better emailer, um, and then I tend to chime in like two emails later, and then, you know, (laughs) everything's already gone, and I'm just sort of late to the party as usual. Not at all, not at all. So... We're going to finish up, hopefully, or get further along in this adventure with Mr. Gross, um, who, as we determined last week, actually is gross. Um, very. And, yeah, very gross. And so where we left off last week was he was arrested. And just well, we to, need to remind him, right? He's. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Asked his step or asked his stepdaughter's best friend horribly, horribly inappropriate questions at 3 a.m., He is a former police officer who has been accused of looking in windows. Um, He is going crazy in traffic, being followed by surveillance. And now he's been arrested. And what was found when he was arrested? Just to remind them. Yeah. In the car was a loaded Glock, 40 caliber pistol. He had a briefcase because remember they saw him. He had gone and driven to another city, returned home real quick, ran in the house, came out with a briefcase. In that briefcase were two laptops a wireless camera scanner, a video recorder, and a whole bunch of other computer components that, you know, our guys didn't recognize right off the bat. What and is so, a camera scanner? Um, so that thing was a, uh, I, I'm going to table that. Let me table that because it comes into play here in just a little bit. So gotcha. let me table that. And so basically, um, you know, we got him arrested, no problems, no struggles, uh, gave up very easily. We towed the vehicle back, you know, to our station so that we can do whatever we need to do from it. The one thing they did note for me is that um, the car was disgusting, uh, like a hoarder's paradise, like food wrappers and cups and papers and just 
like literally like a foot tall, you know, in the passenger floorboard of fast food wrappers and junk. And so they said it was really, really disgusting. And so the vehicle actually came uh, because we had got what we wanted out of it. And because I really felt bad for the spouse, for the wife. And I, you know, normally we would never do something like this, but we did tow the vehicle back to their residence because ultimately, um, you know, they're going to be out of a vehicle and it's just not fair. Uh, so something that we don't normally do, but we extended a little grace and did that. And so, um, you know, they knew full well that we were going to go through it and search it and everything else. But, um, that's kind of what we did. And so as we have discussed in many other cases, when we, had, uh, we affect an arrest, typically what immediately follows is a search warrant, right? And so obviously we had an offense um, with the one little girl at his residence. And so we got a judge to authorize a search warrant for that residence. And we showed up there and we recovered all kinds of stuff, all kinds of external thumb drives, computers, hard drives, SD cards, a bunch of rolls of undeveloped film, um, just all kinds of stuff. Interesting as to what one of the items we found in the master bedroom where his wife said, you know, this is where he, he does a lot of work. He's on this computer all the time. This was one of these all in one, you know, computers. It was a monitor on a stand, but the computer's, uh, integrated into the monitor in the back, it had physically been ripped open. Like you could look, you could look and see that the the back was torn off and bent. And what do you think was missing from there, Brandon? Um, as far as what you found in the computer, or what did we not find in that computer? <laughs> oh, my guess is a hard drive. Yeah, hard drive was uh, conveniently absent from that particular computer. And so yeah, when the back is ripped off and the hard drive is missing. Yeah. Somehow we think there's been something done to it. <laughs> there may be a little tampering. Yeah. Huh? Sometimes in detective you tried work, to interview him, right? Yeah. Yeah. We tried and, uh, you know, ultimately it didn't, um, it didn't produce <laughs> much for us initially. Um, but I, I'll get to that in a second. Um, when we, when we found the computer with the hard drive missing, um, obviously we realized like, okay, you know, maybe we're a little behind the power curve on this. And, um, but, you know, needless to say, we still continue to do what we're doing. And, um, you know, we go through all the motions that we could go through. Now, earlier I mentioned the garage where he had said, oh, I was getting something out of the garage when his stepdaughter called mom and was concerned. She thought he was outside the door. Um, in this garage, it was, it was unbelievable. It was packed floor to ceiling with stuff, boxes, computers, like computer cases, computer components, memory, just, you know, all kinds of stuff. It, most of it looked just like junk. Um, and so, um, it was, a, I would say everything that led up to this, everything was a little bit, you know, um, overwhelming for us. And I sort of learned the, um, the family dynamic of things, um, as 
this case grew. Um, and I'm going to talk more about that here in a little bit. I found out that Mr. Gross also has biological children of his own that would come and stay with him at that home with the stepsister. Um, he had twin girls who were older, uh, just a couple of years older than the victim at the time or the, the stepdaughter at the time. And um, he had a son who was even older than the twin girls. And, you know, there was all kinds of stuff that uh, sort of transpired from there. And so um, what, what sort of transpired is his son, there was a sort of a, what do you call it? Like a, a family meeting, a family get together. So his mother uh, lived in another city in North Texas and they had sort of, they were very kind of a very close knit family. The uh, son's mother or the, the Gross's mother? Gross's mother. Gross's mother. Oh. And so his, the, the kid's grandmother, right? Grandmother, grandfather. And so they basically held this family meeting after they found out that Mr. Gross had been arrested and what he had been charged with. And so they wanted everybody, you know, to kind of know, like, this is what's going on and we can talk through anything. And if you need anything, da, 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 they were, they were sort of like the, uh, you know, I, I don't know the, not the leaders of the family, obviously, but they were, they were very uh, well respected uh, by all the kids on both sides. And, um, you know, they were a very caring couple. And so while that was happening, while they were kind of having this discussion and the 18, I think he was 18 or really close to being 18, um, he got very upset during that family meeting at the grandparents' house. Uh, so upset that he started crying. And so, you know, of course, everybody kind of gelled around him as uh, as family does and he said, well, I'm pretty sure he's been doing this for a while. And so that sparked a whole conversation. And um, he basically said, because he lived at the house full time, you know, with Mr. Gross, his dad, and his stepsister and his stepmom. His biological twin sisters lived in another home and just visited, you know, every whatever, once a month or something like that. And so... He's because he lived in that home, he shared the, what we would call like the hall bathroom with his stepsister. And he said that he remembers, um, there being a blue drill that was in the bathroom for a very long period of time. And he said it was always connected to a charger. And what struck him as odd was that his, he never, ever saw the drill being used by anybody. And he wondered like, why is this drill in the, in the restroom? Like it's, it just doesn't make any sense. And so there was a point when uh, the drill was moved, that the charger was unplugged, the drill was moved and Mr. Gross flipped out. And he was like, don't ever move this drill. You keep it charged all the time. I've got to have it available and have it charged. Like, like it was paramount that this drill and chargers stay in this restroom, which is a bit odd, right? <laughs> I mean, it kind of raises a little bit of suspicion around it, right? It does. And so the the his eighteen year old son comes forward and says, 
he was curious because he knew something was not right. And so he basically checked out the drill and he said the drill looked normal, looked like a regular drill. Um, but he said that the charger looked a little different when he disconnected it, the cord fell out of the back. And so when the cord fell out, he picked up the charging like square block or whatever you want to call it. And he noticed at the bottom where the charger plugs in to plug it into the wall, there's an SD card, a micro SD card. And so he basically figures out that that charging block was a camera and like he freaks out. He disabled it. He took it apart. He cut some wires. He did whatever he had to do to sort of disable that thing from working and put it back together. And he said he was scared to death. He thought his dad was going to freak out. He actually went online and Googled it and had, you know, found a photograph of what this thing looked like. And so in our little preparation notes here, I've, I've put a uh, picture of it just to show like as a visual reminder of what that thing was, because in looking at it, would you, Brandon, suspect that that was ever a hidden camera? No, I was just thinking about how fortuitous that it was that it fell on the ground because without falling and separating like that to show the SD card, I mean, that would be one of those nearly impossible to tell. Yeah, it really looks, and actually, um, it it works just like a regular charger. So you could attach, obviously it had a, you know, a 110 outlet on the end of it, but um, it would charge and obviously charge this drill. And the kid told me that he always thought the drill had, was something, um, not the charger. And so um, basically he said that after he disabled it, he put it back, kept it where it was, put it in the exact space it was. And that about two days after that, he went in to use the restroom and the drill and the charger were gone like completely gone. And he said, nothing was ever said. And so he knew in his heart that his dad was doing things that were very inappropriate. Um, and that's why he was so upset at the family meeting. And, um, you know, he, you know, confided in with his, he apologized to everybody, you know, specifically his stepsister and his bio sisters, you know, because he knew they've all used that restroom, you know, they all stay there from time to time and the stepsister and he lived there full time. So oh, that's gotta be such a, a heart sickening thing to feel like you've just discovered something that yeah. this dad has put in there and all of your family is going, what a violation, right? Yeah. And he, he literally, you know, got sick to his stomach. Like he was just sick. Um, and he felt terrible and he, you know, he realized that, uh, uh, you know, listen, you know, it is what it is. You, <laughs> you, you can't unring the bell basically. And, uh, you know, nobody was faulting him. Uh, but he, once he found out what had happened with, you know, his stepsister's best friend, you know, he was, he was sick to his stomach. Um, and so, I want to I want to kind of emphasize the because the key to this case for me 
honestly um, really hinged on a couple of things because once we had the thought process in our minds that we were looking for potentially a hidden camera. And I'll be honest with you in 2012, I had heard of hidden cameras. I had seen a couple of really crude, um, I don't know how you kind of describe it. Manipulations of like an old junky phone where the camera was pulled out and sort of connected through a battery and sort of made into this little surreptitiously placed, you know, hidden camera, but it's wrapped in like electrical tape and just really crude versions. But I had heard and seen, you know, online, uh, different devices. Um, and so, but prior to that, we never, we had never even thought about that, honestly, like we never even really, never even really crossed our minds. And so, Obviously, the the stepdaughter had described that square box that I mentioned in the other episode, kind of uh, eight by eight or whatever, two inches thick, with the faint green and red light. And so, but not the disc drive, but not the not the disc drive that the mom gave me. And she never mentioned the charger initially. Um, obviously, she did once. Um, you know, her stepbrother brought it up at the family meeting. You know, she's like. Oh yeah. Like I, now I remember that. Like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know that's what it was. You know, I thought it was weird. There was a drill in there. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, during the, you know, the execution of that warrant, um, at the residence, we found in the garage where I told you was about 10 billion boxes. Um, we did find a empty box, um, for the camera and it was a camera that the, stepdaughter said she saw when she came out of the shower, we found an empty box. We didn't find the actual camera itself, but we did find the box. And coincidentally inside the box was a receipt for when it was purchased and where it was purchased. And so, you know, in detective life, we call that a clue. (laughs) And so, you know, obviously we were going to do some following up on that. Um, and, And so that's another dynamic of where we were sort of going. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that here in just a minute. But uh, there was all kinds of things that that, uh, sort of transpired. And the family themselves, um, and I mean like the the mother of Mr. Gross and his stepfather, her husband, uh, the grandparents, they were were incredible. They really were. Like I have rarely had an incident – take place again, if if at all, where I received that level of cooperation. And basically they drew a line in the sand. They're like, listen, you know, he's our son. We love him. We'll always love him. However, you're not going to do something to our grandkids. Like our line in the sand is right there. And so as soon as you've done that, it's Katie bar the door, right? Whatever happens, happens. And so and that's not always the case. I mean, I hate to have to say that, but sometimes families rally around the offender, you know, just believing that this, it can't be true. And if it is true, then there's something going on and they need help. And, you know, that, that we're just going to support them and right. sort of put everything secondary. Yeah. But, but we've, you know, I've never had it happen again. The level of cooperation that I got from this family 
from the immediate family and the extended family. And, and by extended family, I'm talking about the grandparents, the Mr. Gross's siblings, um, you know, his own children, his stepkids. Um, like it, it, it's unparalleled to anything I've ever experienced before. And, and you're going to see how this sort of um, plays out. And so subsequent to the family meeting and more communications and learning about these, now this charger that may have been a camera, we, we realized pretty quickly that we over probably overlooked some things at the original time we executed the warrant. Like maybe we should have been looking for things that we didn't know to look for. And now, so, what is that? What does that make you think then for those not in law enforcement? What do you, what goes into your mind when you think, well, we've missed a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. One, we either have to readdress it with legal process through a court and explain why. Um, of course, I had to do a little backfill in, in regards to educating myself about those charging devices that are actually cameras. And so luckily we did find the box, I told you, um, and in that receipt, and I found a local store that basically caters to this kind of stuff. Like, and so I drove to that store in another city to educate myself. And I'm like, tell me about this. And they basically pulled a brand new one off the shelf. Oh, this is what you're looking for. Now I know what it looks like. They do all kinds of, um, they were very, very, very helpful with me. They ended up showing me what the charger looked like. That was a a camera, all different types that they had. I, I mean, I got to, I spent a few hours up there just educating myself. And in that process, I actually bought a device called a spy finder. And so that's why I aptly uh, sort of named this episode. Uh, I don't even remember what I named it. I think I named it uh, secret spy or something like that. Um, <laughs> before you, before you start to say the name, yes, secret spy. Yeah, secret spy. And so uh, because of that, because I'd never experienced that. I mean, I was like, you know, um, like th- four years into, you know, my ICAT career at the time. And, um, I'd never experienced these weird looking hidden cameras that are, that look like common everyday things, you know? And so at that particular store, um, the guy's like, well, we sell this device called the spy finder and he pulls this thing out and it's, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of maybe eight inches long. It's kind of rectangle, but rounded on one end. And it's got this optical um, piece and you kind of hold it up to your eye. And as you hold it up to your eye, you squeeze this button that's on the side and it flashes this LED um, light. And as you, as you move around the room, looking through the optical, if you encounter something that's a camera, it will immediately flash back at you something to do with that, that flashing light and the reflection of the camera lens. And he's like, you know, this is one way you can sort of figure these things out. And so I'm like, how much is that? (laughs) So, you know, it was like a few hundred bucks. And so like, I'm, you know, calling back to the station. I was like, Hey, you know, can I buy this? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) And so they let me buy it. And so now it's in my kit. I take it to every search warrant I go to now as a result of this case. And so 
essentially how it ended up working was because we had so much cooperation from the family, I obviously cleared all this through prosecutors, but I reached out to Mrs. Gross, Gross's wife, and told her, I'm like, listen, you know, we, we think we missed some stuff and here's why. And she's like, well, come back, bring as many people as you want and come back. And so we did, we got consent to do this and we went back and we researched everything in the house. And we actually found a few extra things um, that we, you know, basically hadn't found before. And so now remember I told you the car, we didn't want the family to be without a car. And so we towed it back. We did a search of the car, right? We thought we did a fairly thorough search of the car. And uh, so as a result of that, Mr. Gross's parents had the car towed because it's a, it's just a disgusting mess of, you know, fast food, um, had it towed to a business they own. They have a big, like, you know, bay where you could pull a giant truck into and they had the vehicle towed there and Gross's mother and his bio daughter, one of his bio daughters decided, Hey, we're going to clean this thing out, vacuum it out because they envisioned, um, he would need to probably sell it or they would need to sell it to give him money so that while he's in jail, (laughs) he could, have a commissary, you know, or, or make phone calls or, you know, whatever it was that he needed and, uh, you know, sort of go from there. And so the, they began to clean it out and they got a couple of trash bags full of stuff. And, uh, as they were going through they you know, aptly were describing, um, you know, just how disgusting it was in the car as we knew. And, uh, I think she was telling me that she, uh, recovered, I can't remember the, the amount, the dollar amount, but in loose change, just like scattered on the floorboard and, you know, between the seats and all this other kind of stuff, um, was, uh, you know, all this loose change. And I forget what the dollar amount was, but it was like double digits in, in loose change, just all over the floor. And I so, can actually smell as you're describing yeah. exactly what you're what you're talking about because we've been in so many of these cars. Yeah, absolutely, man. And so the, the craziest thing uh, that happened during that clean out was um, Gross's mother said that she, and I, I, you, you got to have to envision this because it's, it's very difficult to, um, to think about, but if you're, if you're in the driver's seat and the, the, the seat itself sits on, two metal rails. You with me? So that the seat slides up and back based on how tall you are. Well, those rails are secured to the floorboard of the car, obviously, you know, for safety reasons and everything else. So Miss Gross's mom is like sticks her fingers under the rail, like the metal rail. And something pokes her in the finger, like something kind of sharp. And so she pulls her finger back. She's like, dang it. Like, what the heck was that? So she finds a coffee stir stick, one of those flat stir sticks, and she's digging around. She's got the seat pushed all the way back. She's, you know, kind of 
ass and elbows deep in this car digging around and she's, she can see something under there, but it's kind of dark. And so she's picking at, at it with this stir stick and she picks, picks, picks. And what do you think happens? Out pops. She finds something. <laughs> she finds two micro SD cards. It sounds like to me, you need to pay a salary to this family because they're doing a lot of work. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm telling you. They were, it was, it was crazy, right? And she finds two micro SD cards and she freaks out, freaks out in the sense of like, oh my gosh, like there's no physical way just if those had fallen on the carpet, there's no physical way they would have both ended up right there. And oh, so even she recognizes that those were hidden there on purpose. She said the only way they would have been able to get there was to literally wedge them in there, you know, using a finger or like her, she used the stir stick to pull it out. And so, um, really, really bizarre set of circumstances. Uh, she immediately, you know, freezes. She tells her granddaughter, don't touch anything, you know, immediately calls her husband. Her husband comes out. He's like, Oh my gosh, you know, uh, takes a picture of it with his phone. He calls me immediately. He's like, I think we found it. I think we found it. And so get him on the salary. Yeah. I'm like, you're hired. Right. And, uh, I call the prosecutors and I'm like, you're not going to believe this. And they're like, get out there, seize it, document it, videotape it, photograph it and get a warrant and let's get in it. And so all of those things happen, right? Everything else freezes. I tell them, don't do anything further. Don't touch anything else in the car. Wait to hear back from me. I get the warrant, get into those SD cards, and bada bing, bada boom. Every bit of evidence that we would have expected to find were on those cards. And it was it was a moment, dude. Like, I don't even know how to describe. Like, it was... It was validating in the sense that I can now go to these victims and give them some bit of closure because they're immediately validated. And so the first thing I see is Mr. Gross on the SD card in the bathroom setting something up and the item that he is setting up is capturing his own face. Like... It Isn't that was, helpful when they do that? It was amazing, dude. Like it never gets old when we see the hidden cameras and and believe me, I mean, even though we haven't told you some of the stories, we have a lot of cases with yeah. with hidden cameras, and always the best moment of that is seeing the face of the person setting it up on it. Yeah. Now, as well as validating things, it you know a a bunch of other things were also found. Um, one, there were inadvertently captured videos, obviously of his son and other people that were just using the restroom. Right. Um, it also captured his own biological daughters as they, you know, were in the restroom or in the shower getting ready. And so that sparked a whole nother round of, of interviews and conversations and the really difficult part for me 
was that this, um, his bio daughters were twins and they are like, they're twins, dude. Like <laughs> they're hard to tell apart, like sitting in the same room with them. They're that closely, you know, obviously twins look like each other, but they don't always look like each other. Uh, right. th- these looked a lot exactly the same. And so further interviews with them sort of revealed that, um, their father had displayed some very bizarre behavior, even with them while they were visiting. And they recalled this, that they were probably the same age. They remembered as far back as when they were the same age as their stepsister. And they were two or three years older than her at the time this was reported. And so they themselves were 12 or 13 and, you know, just on a visit to dad's house and that, at some point in time, he was pretty adamant that they, the two of them only use his bathroom in the master bedroom, which only had a, like a, you know, toilet and a stand up shower, like a kind of small half bath, I guess you'd call it. And, um, that he had these weird things that he would tell me. He's like, now it's very important. And I want you to kind of envision having a conversation like this, with your biological daughter, when you finish the shower and you're done, bef- let, take your towel, don't even dry off. Take your towel and set it on the floor. Get down on your hands and knees and use this plastic squeegee and squeegee all the water out of the, the shower pan because we have a leak And it's very important that you do this. Once you squeegee all the water into the drain, you know, the whole shower pan, then you can stand up and dry off and finish doing what you're doing. What what do you think about that, Brandon? Yeah, I, I mean, it's gross is the perfect name for this guy. I will say, though, like it seems apparent why we would say seeing his his face on the video is so important but think about this. It's It's been said before when we have secret videos, you know, it's like, no, the video was found in this person's house and, you know, it is in their bathroom, but we don't know who set it up. Right. That's usually the argument made, right? So, you know, it's like, well, who in the house or who, who visited or did someone who was doing work at the house bring this camera and set it up and right. the whole family is a victim. And, and so that's really important to know. Who's the gross person or sicko here who is filming his own biological daughters? Well, thankfully we have his face setting up the camera. Yep. Yeah. And it was kind of gut wrenching. Um, it was really gut wrenching and there's some specifics that I'm not even going to share specific to his own daughters. Um, but it was basically, very disturbing. And the other thing that, that I noted, um, is they also had memory while they were in the shower at dad's house, they could hear him outside the door. And why could they hear him? Because he's worn these stupid wind pants or plastic pants or whatever the hell he's wearing for years and years. And, um, (laughs) Oh, the, the nineties have come back to haunt him. Yeah. And so, at one point, one of his daughters gets out of the shower, breaks the rule, and, you know, doesn't do the squeegee routine. It just literally opens the door, and her own father is on his hands and knees 
at the base of the bathroom door. And he's, he's startled, obviously he wasn't expecting that. And he's telling her that he was looking for something that fell underneath the, the dresser and landed by the door. And, you know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, just these little things start to add up, right? Like, does the family start to see, Hey, there's not just one thing. It's a whole bunch of little things starting to become a bigger picture. Yeah. And then the final thing that the, the biological daughters recalled as being very inappropriate, um, were some comments that their dad made to them as they were driving somewhere or he was taking them home or something. And he made a very awkward comment about the stepdaughter and how she's basically developing breasts. And they thought at the time their stepsister was 10 at most, maybe 11. And why they suppressed that, and you know, obviously once they learned about all these things, everything just sort of came out, but uh, like really, 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 uh, you know, really bizarre situation. And so um, once all of these things from the card came into play, I mean, I, I want to make sure everybody understands we still were behind the power curve. We kn- I knew I was missing a hard drive because I had a computer that had been, ripped open, you know, in haste and, and, uh, from based on how it was torn apart. And so the next thing, the next thing that happens, um, is really, really freaky bizarre because it's on a weekend. Um, and you know, we've kind of figured out the whole hidden camera thing already, other than we haven't found it, the one that she described. And remember when I said earlier, when the stepdaughter got out of the shower, she saw the thing with the red and green light and picked it up and it was warm. Well, that video was on those SD cards, was on one of those SD cards. Literally, you can see her picking the item up, looking at it, spinning it around and setting it back down. And so it was really crazy, but, um, kind of affirming. Right. And so as things went on, um, I received a, I guess maybe like a, a panicked phone call on a weekend when I'm not at work. And it, it was to our dispatch center who, and it was from Gross's stepfather, you know, the cooperating parents. Um, and he was basically saying, he tells our dispatch, you need to get a hold of him and he needs to call me right now. This is literally like on a Sunday. So dispatch calls me and they're like, this guy called. He said, it's major urgent. Here's his number. I call him. And he tells me, he's like, we found it. We found it. You need to get to my house right now. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what you're, you know, what are you talking about? And he said, at the time of this happening, um, a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of things sort of flooded back. And uh, so we're going to have to sort of flash back in the story. And so I get the frantic phone call. I call him. He tells me they find the goods, right? I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, well, the, the day 
you know, remember I told you there was a two and a half, three day time frame before the, an outcry happened and we started, um, you know, looking into this. They said the what turns out to be on day two, this is before I even knew about the case. On day two, Gross showed up at the parents' business. And this is in another city that's a good 40-minute, 30, 40-minute drive from the city he lives in. He just shows up unannounced. And in the business is his stepfather. And he's looking at me. He's like, Mr. Gross, what are you doing here? Like, are you okay? And he's like, oh, I was just, you know, driving around and da-da-da. And the stepfather is telling me, he's like, he looks sick. He was white as a ghost. He didn't look good. And so he said he was there for about three or four minutes. And he said, hey, I don't feel good. I'm going to go get some medicine. And he just drove off. And he said it was the strangest thing. He said, because he never, ever just popped in, ever. Um, and basically, he calls his wife. And he's like, hey, uh, Stephen was just here. And she's like, what? And, and what he, precipitated this unexpected visit? Well, this was the day after the incident happened with the very first victim on the couch, right? The day after. Okay. So he said all this stuff to her. Correct. On the couch while watching TV at 3 a.m. Yes. And so essentially, um, you know, he shows up, stepdad's like, this is weird. Like he never shows up. And then he, so he calls his wife. He's like, Hey, your son was just here. Like, she's like, what are you talking about? And then while she's on the phone with her husband, she hears the door chime on their own door. And he comes in, Mr. Gross comes to his mom's house. And so she yells his name and he's like, uh, I'll be right back. I got to take a shit really loud. He yells and she's got her grandkids there. And she's like, watch your language, blah, blah, blah. Well, he goes upstairs. They have a two story house, really nice house. He goes upstairs. And so she said he's gone about 30 minutes, which was a little weird because he walked right past a, a restroom. Like literally, as soon as you walk in the door, there's a small little, you know, toilet and sink there. Um, and he went upstairs and she didn't think anything of it. He came down. He said he didn't feel good. She gave him some medicine. He, you know, hung out a little bit and then he left. And so when I got the frantic phone call from dispatch and Gross's parents told me, like, we, we found everything, we've got it. And so I literally called the prosecutor, same sort of routine as the SD cards, get to the house, document everything, take pictures, do all these things. I did all that. I go to the house and they direct me upstairs to this house into a walkout attic. Like, you know, literally open the door. It's all completely floored. It's, it's just the attic space storage. And so Gross's mom tells me, she's like, Hey, I was, I was there because my daughter called me and said, Hey, can I borrow that box of stuff for July 4th? There's like decorations or whatever. And she's like, yeah, okay. It's in the attic. I'll get it. And she said, so I go to the attic. I I'm looking around for this box. And she said, I look down and I see the insulation. Like, there, you know, the whole thing is decked with, with wood, but there are sections of it that are just like blown in insulation. 
And she said, the insulation is perfectly flat. Like it's all settled and very smooth. She said, but there's this one little section where it's all disturbed. And she's like, I just see this big pile in the middle of a, of a whole area full of like perfectly smooth stuff. And she said, and I go look at it and I see it's a bag. There's like a, a black bag tied in a knot and it's been buried. And she calls for her husband. He runs upstairs. They find this bag. They untie it where it is in the insulation, open it. And it's full of stuff, cameras, computers, all kinds of stuff. They didn't touch it. They, so this was his unexpected visit to get sick yes. running upstairs. Yes. Lo and behold, some of the items that were in there, and for reference for us, I included a few photos uh, for just us. You can kind of see those are his mom's feet and the undisturbed bag that was sort of halfway buried there in the attic. It uh, looks very hurriedly put it there. Yeah, it does. And so inside there was another hidden camera with an SD card. There were three video cameras, a couple of thumb drives, two micro SD cards, four external hard drives. Another, uh, the, the one, the charger camera that I described earlier and a couple of laptop computers. And so, um, shockingly, I know you won't find this hard to believe, but one of the four hard drives was one that came out of the one that was torn apart. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know no. that's a shocker, right? And so here's the end result, right? There was all kinds of stuff, all kinds. Like I can't even go into great lengths about how much stuff was on there. Um, at the end of the day, this guy got a six count federal indictment um, and he was convicted in court. Um, he did receive a 20 year federal sentence and, you know, in my opinion, at that time in 2012, uh, that was a that was a big hit, uh, not yeah. something I was used to getting. And so I was a little conflicted because of the additional things that were found, additional victims. I thought he kind of got a gift. I really felt like he should have got a 50 or 60 year. And I know I've said this a bunch, and uh, but this guy like really, 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 really was disgusting. And so, um, you know, the bottom line is he's in prison, still has a pretty good uh, term left on his time. But uh, yeah. nonetheless, uh, the end result, there's a whole lot more that goes to it. But the end result is, you know, I'm, I'm content with what he got, even though I wish he would have got more. So, yeah, well, it's a great, yeah, it's a great hit. Um, what are your takeaways as an investigator? Man, there's a bunch out of this one. Uh, number one is, you know what? We go into some really, we've, we've talked about this before many times where we go into, to places that are terrible, like garbage, trash, papers, feces, you know, just, it's just disgusting. But I, I learned from this is that you got to suck it up. You got to, you got to do your job. You got to double glove, put some mask on, put the booties on, whatever you got to do. You got to do it, but you got to do it right the first time. We Be may have a picture of me 
decked out in that kind of outfit, right? Yeah, that's a story. Can't wait we can so. tell that one. Um, so secondarily, what what changed for me from this search warrant moving forward was the hidden camera stuff. Never even crossed my mind, honestly. Even though I had been aware that those sort of things happened, I just it never really crossed my mind. But now it's something that I do um, on every single warrant. And then the last thing was you got to do your due diligence because we recovered over 300 VHS yeah. tapes, VHS, the old school, right? And so you have to look at everything because here's what happened on this case. And I didn't even mention it. We would put in a VHS tape and they would start and it would look like a Disney movie or something, you know, like 10 minutes of a Disney movie. Then the goat turns to snow, the old white, and then boom, it picks back up and it's a hidden video taken outside of somebody's window. Like literally you could tell like shaky camera looking through blinds. You see some woman changing clothes or whatever that lasts about, you know, seven, eight, 10 minutes and then white snow and Disney movie continues. Was so, that sound, the sound of his pants passing by again? <laughs> No, that wasn't, that was a, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> that was this white snow on TV. If you've never seen that. <laughs> well, get ready for your favorite part of this, you know, get, get the button ready. Cause I think we've got to give a parental tip. Oh, 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 oh so he for, wasn't ready. Parental you know tip. <laughs> you didn't give me enough time. <laughs> I think our parental tip. Parental uh, tip. <laughs> there it is. The thing that we tell parents the most is. Be very aware and open to these little things that are happening that then start to paint a bigger picture because that's something that, you know, we hear from parents of like, oh, they were telling me this and my kids were telling me this and this was happening and I just never thought because, you know, you want to give the, oh, it's just all coincidences and at some point, enough little details paint a very, very broad picture of what's going on. Right. And there were probably looking back, maybe a lot of things that, you know, if you thought of them in this context now, kind of hindsight 2020 would seem like it was just glaring at you. Right. Yeah. And you know, to say that, I mean, that's nothing of their fault. It's, you would never think it, but if you're a parent listening and you can just, program yourself to think and be aware in that way. I think that's the, that's the takeaway for parents here. Yeah. The, you know, one of the, for better or for worse, we call it what it is. Um, I, I think from the family dynamic, obviously this family was completely fractured and, you know, went their separate ways, obviously, as you can well imagine, and they should and moved on, but you can guarantee, um, any sort of weird cues, they're paying attention to them now. And I give all the credit. Um, yeah, this was to these a superstar family. Oh, man. Just, I mean, I, I can't say enough. They're, they're a, a great, uh, they were yeah. a great asset um, yeah. to they, this case. They, they are the ones to be commended here for taking the steps that they did. So, yep. yeah, Absolutely. well done. Well, there well, you go. That, uh, we will not tell you who are. Special guest is 
for next week, but we are going to leave you with the fact that, hey, there's a special guest that will be really cool and some a type of guest that we've never actually spoken to before. That's true. That'll be another first for us. So uh, tune in next week. Any ca- uh, comments or questions, hit us up on our social media, send us an email, uh, drop us a line. We'll get back to you as quick as we can. If you're looking for merchandise, hit the website. Um, and go click the merchandise tab. There's plenty of stuff out there. There is, I didn't mention at the beginning, there is a special sort of uh, three or four day sort of holiday discount thing going, promotion that's going, where I think you can get a 15 or 20% off on anything if that's something you have an interest in. Uh, To those of you who have... um, Perfect gifts. Yeah, those of you who have um, already made things uh, online through the merch and purchased it, thank you so much. you know, we're, we're really grateful and we love seeing the pictures and, um, yeah, anyway. keep sending us our, your pictures of, uh, wearing the stuff and we'll post it on our social media. Absolutely. So thank you again. I know we've kind of run a little long, so we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Catfish Cops podcast brought to you by Brandon Poor and Tony Godwin. For additional information and available resources, please visit our website, www.catfishcops.com and click on the resources link.